Hello, and welcome to The Home Building Hero, where we help you become the hero of your new home by providing you all the information that you need, no matter if you're building, buying, or designing your next project. We got you covered here at The Home Building Hero, coming to you live from the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin Studios. Today's topic, seven tips to help you from being house poor. Hi, I'm David Bellman, president of Bellman Homes, and thank you so much for tuning in to The Home Building Hero today. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any content coming forward. Let's talk about being house poor. It's not fun. It's not a place you want to be at. And so I am here today to help you guys to make sure that you make good decisions when you're buying your next home so that you don't become house poor. When you're house poor, you don't have enough money to buy other things. You feel like you're trapped and feels like you're drowning, like you're underwater all the time. And it's not a good place to be. But there are a couple simple things that you guys can do and things you can look at before you buy that home and the decisions that you make to make sure that you guys are not house poor. So let's jump right in. Let's give you some suggestions so that you guys do not become house poor with your next home purchase. The first and probably one of the most important things that you need to look at when you're buying a new home is the taxes. I'm talking about property taxes. When you buy a home, you're gonna have to pay property taxes every single year. Now, if you've owned many homes, you're probably quite familiar with this, but it's still important to pay attention to because you know property taxes don't stay the same. They will change from year to year. Uh, the municipality can change the mill rate uh, the, the rate at which they tax you, they can also change the value of your home. That can drastically affect your taxes. So it's important to look at what the taxes are in your area compared to other areas. And it's amazing sometimes, you know, how much money people end up having to spend just on property taxes. For example, I, I build here in, in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And right nearby me, we have a city and we have uh, now it's a village. So we have a city and a village. The city tax rate is $23 and some change per thousand. So $23 plus per thousand. The village, the tax rates are $13 per thousand. So it's nearly a $10 per thousand difference. If you calculate that out and you take a, let's say $400,000 home, which would be a, say a typical new home, close to a typical new home, you're talking a $4,000 a year difference just in property taxes alone. $4,000 a year. That's a vacation for most people. $4,000 a year difference in taxes. So yes, it makes a big difference on the affordability. And it makes a big difference on what you can pay and buy in, in mortgage going forward. $4,000 a year. I mean, that's a couple hundred bucks every single month that allows you to buy a much more expensive home in a lower taxed area. So that's something to consider because if you're not finding, let's say a home that you like, let's say you want something in a city area with sewer and water and all that kind of stuff, and you're not finding what you like at your price point, you might actually be able to spend a little bit more money on a rural area and, and, and get the house that you want and have lower operating costs. And I, I took this further. I actually did a study on this. I, I find it kind of interesting. Uh, but if you take that that same valued house in, in that you know village versus the city, 
There are additional costs, of course, to live in, in a rural area because of the well and septic and all that, but it only takes like four to five years to pay off those additional fees. So if you're going to live in a home for more than four years, you're actually coming out better on a rural site. So kind of interesting. So keep that in mind. That is the first thing you need to consider to make sure you're not house poor is your taxes. The second thing you need to consider to make sure you're not house poor is insurance. Insurance also is a cost that you're going to have. Some some companies you know charge you a monthly thing. Sometimes it goes on your uh, right right through your mortgage and it gets paid with an auto withdrawal. But insurance is another thing that never goes away. And you need to have it in case something happens to your home. So definitely look at the cost of your homeowner's insurance. And you should shop this around, talk to a couple different agents, and make sure that you've got the appropriate coverage. Sometimes some insurance companies have things where you get a discount if you prepay it. And that's definitely worth looking at as well. But all these little things add up. These monthly costs are what can make you house poor. Certainly, you can go into the bank and get pre-qualified and you can probably buy a home much bigger than what you would ever need, but you got to be careful that you have to look at these other costs, so the taxes and then, of course, your homeowner's insurance, and that can vary quite a bit and depends on the type of coverage that you get. So some insurance people out there will give you all the coverage under the sun. Do you need it? You need to evaluate that. Maybe you're spending too much on your insurance. So keep that in mind and build that into your monthly budget. And this is another tip for everybody. Just make a spreadsheet and do a little annual budget for the year. You know, it can be very simple. You just make a column and you put all these items in it. And then the second column has all the costs. And you can do it cost per year, cost per month. And that way you can see, hey, this is how much money per month goes to my housing. This is how much money a month I make. This is how much goes to my housing. And make sure that, you know, it's not too much. You know, most people shouldn't really go above like 30 to 33% of their total uh, income. Really no more than that should go to housing because you need money for food. You need money for um, your cars, uh, transportation. Uh, if you do want to take vacations, you should be investing money and so on and so forth. So definitely look at that as well. All right. The third thing you need to consider, so you're not house poor, is your utilities. And I'm going to talk specifically about a couple items here. So for your utilities, first and foremost, let's talk about your sewer and water service as part of your utilities. And again, this kind of ties back to the original conversation of living in a rural area versus a city area. A city area, you're going to have sewer and water. And typically with those, you either will have a monthly or a quarterly fee for those services. And those can be fairly substantial. Again, in the area I lived in, uh, the city area that I have had their own sewer and water treatment plant. And that was great until the municipality got too big. Now they can't get enough water to service the area. So they had to get water from another local larger community. And that got very expensive. And all of a sudden, people's water bills went from $90 a quarter to like $350 a quarter. That is a massive jump, and that obviously can affect your your payment and making you house poor. So you need to look at the cost. If you're going to have municipal water, there's going to be a cost for that. You're going to need to have a, 
a, a cost for your municipal sewer as well. So you need to build that into your budget. And then how often do you pay for that? Then you also have to look at little things like, okay, if I'm taking a bath three times a week, I'm using a lot more water. If I'm watering my lawn all the time in the summer, that is going to be a cost. So you have to consider that you are going to have some spikes depending on your usage on those kind of things. So be very cautious about those utilities. The second part of the utilities that you need to watch out for as well is your not, I'd say your luxury utilities. So this would be like having cable or satellite or whatever type of entertainment that you're going to provide into your home and data and those kind of things as well. Because that can also quickly make you house poor if you're not careful with it. Sure, it might be great to live out and buy a piece of land from a farmer and have this big you know, piece of land, but all of a sudden you called to find out how much it costs to bring cable in. And you might find that it costs you six, 10, 20, plus thousand dollars just to bring service out to you. Well, <laughs> that's probably not worth it if you've got to spend that much money on it. But again, if you're working remotely, uh, you might be able to get satellite internet. That's always costly, not as reliable. Uh, so you might need to get that hard connection. And then that is something that is going to cost you a tremendous amount of money. And a lot of times the utility company isn't going to you know, give you a lot of forgiveness on those prices. Um, you might be able to sign a contract for a long time and drop the cost down a little bit, but probably not that much. So definitely consider utilities. Um, you know, there there are some places where even new subdivisions where they won't put in uh, certain types of data service. You may only have one choice for your utility provider, and that could mean you're spending a hundred or one hundred and fifty dollars a month for phone and and data and television service. Um, or if you're doing a bunch of streaming service, you might need to, you know, as they say, cut the cord. But you've got to look at all those luxury utilities and add those into your budget as well, because that can also make you house poor. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. That's a trifecta of the construction business. We all want that, right? Well, after working and talking with hundreds of home builders and remodelers over the past two years, BuildBook has discovered the one common ingredient that determines the success of your construction business, the client experience. And we're not talking about just during a project. A client's experience goes from their first impression to their final payment and everything in between. And if you drop the ball anywhere in that journey, things can get super messy, super quick. BuildBook has developed the first of its kind platform that focuses on helping you deliver throughout the client journey, the one thing standing between you and achieving the trifecta of construction. It starts with marketing tools to attract the right leads, add in sales tools so you can win the best projects, and finish with project tools that knock your client's socks off. Marketing, sales, and project tools all rolled into one simple yet powerful platform designed to give you and your business an unfair advantage. If you're looking for happier clients, more profits, and less stress, head on over to buildbook.co now and try it for free yourself. That's buildbook.co. And if you let them know you heard about them on the Home Building Hero podcast, they'll send you a free swag pack. The fourth thing that you need to consider to make sure you're not house poor is your heating and cooling costs. And you might say, well, that's utilities, right? Well, I think this is important to have a separate discussion on this because this can make a big difference. I've had customers of mine that have lived in homes that are 20 and 30 years old 
They buy our new home, which is probably double the size, and their utility bill is less on the new home than on their older, smaller home. So heating and cooling costs are a big part of your house budget, and they can make you house poor. If you buy an older home that's got an inefficient furnace, if it's got uh, you know an old air conditioner, it's not running efficiently, you can be spending a lot of extra money just to heat and cool your home. And this, this goes into all sorts of different discussions. This goes into the efficiency of the equipment. It goes into the quality and the efficiency of the build. You know, you can put in the most efficient furnace and air conditioner that, that you can find on the market. But if you've got crummy windows and the house isn't sealed up very well, it, it's going to be a waste. You, you have money literally going out the window, so to speak. Um, even just all the way down to the minutia of what temperature do you set for your home? You keep your home at 70 uh, or 74 degrees in the, in the winter. Well, you, if, you're going to spend a lot more money on heating if it's 74 degrees. If you keep it at 68, you're going to probably save a lot of money on your utility costs. So be aware of that. The other thing that you can look at is um, a lot of utility companies will allow you to do what they call budget build billing, where basically, let's say I have a track record on the property, you can just do a set amount every month. So if there is a really cold winter, you probably will come out ahead. Your, your actual bill might be higher than the budgeted amount. So that's another option that you can look at as well. But again, add that to your spreadsheet and keep track of those costs. And, and look at, you know, if it's an older home, you might, might be worth investing in newer, more energy efficient windows or a better furnace uh, just because it will drop down your energy costs. And you can easily calculate that out. Hey, I'm going to spend $5,000 on a new furnace. And, uh, you know, here's, here's what my energy costs are anticipated to be. You know, how long does it take to pay itself off? Is it going to be worth it? So again, that's very important. Heating and cooling and looking at that in relation to being house poor. You got to be careful that you don't spend too much on that stuff. The fifth thing you need to look at to make sure you're not house poor is your mortgage. Mortgage is a big one. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, go into the bank to get approved. Uh, they give you uh, sometimes a fairly large amount and some people want to spend that entire amount. It's certainly fine to do that, but that can also contribute to you being house poor. The other thing you got to look at when you get a mortgage is you got to look at, of course, the interest rate and what your overall payment's going to be. You also have a lot of options. So for example, you could, instead of doing a 30-year fix, you could do a 15-year fix. If you can swing doing that, you know, you're cutting the amount of time that it takes for that you to pay back that mortgage in half. Your payment, yes, is higher, but you know, if that's something that you want to get rid of that mortgage, I'll tell you what, I don't have a mortgage on my home. It is a great place to be. You know, you don't have to worry about those, you know, reoccurring payments all the time. So that might be something that you want to do. I know it's tempting because interest rates are so low and so many people are refinancing and they're making their mortgages bigger and bigger and bigger. And a lot of times their payment doesn't change, uh, but the, the amount of money that they owe does. So they're increasing the amount of money that they owe um, and, uh, you know, stringing this out longer. Um, the other thing you have to be careful of with mortgages is when you refinance. A lot of people go, every time the rates drop a little bit, they go and refinance and they'll spend thousands of dollars to get a refinance. They'll drop their rate, you know, a quarter of a point or something, which really isn't worthwhile to do. And... A lot of times the banks, they'll just tack that onto your mortgage, that extra, you know, uh, paperwork cost and everything. And yeah, you dropped your payment down a quarter of a point, but now you've added, 
you know, $4,000 more to your mortgage or $5,000 more to your mortgage, you know, that can hurt you in the long run. That can make you house poor if you're not careful. So be very cognizant of what you're doing with your mortgage. Don't just refinance every time the rates drop. Refinance, you know, when it's over a half percent or more, three quarters percent, a whole percent, then look at it and make sure you do the math on it. What are the fees? You may have to shop another bank or two just to see what they're willing to do um, and what the fees are because sometimes, you know, the banks, they do the refis. They have to stay in business too. They have to make money on this. So a lot of times that's where they get you. They get you on, you know, the appraisals and the uh, inspection fees and all the paperwork that they, they have. They charge you for all of that. So make sure that you understand that fully before you commit to doing a refinance. But definitely watch your mortgage. And the other thing you can do to help reduce being house poor is, is to take a look at your mortgage and maybe you budget a couple extra dollars every month and pay that towards your principal so you can reduce that principal payment faster and get rid of that mortgage sooner. You know, 50 bucks a month, if you can swing that, you can reduce your payment and the length of your mortgage by quite a bit. So consider doing that if you make additional payments or you get bonuses at work, put part of that bonus towards paying down your mortgage. It's a huge, huge help and it can reduce the amount of interest that you pay over the life of the loan by a tremendous amount. The sixth thing you need to look at to make sure you're not house poor is deferred maintenance. And so many people ignore this. And especially for me as a new home builder, this is one of the most frustrating things because I have people all the time that look at an existing home and a new home and they might say, well, the new home is $60,000 more than this existing home. I can put $50,000 into this old home and I can put new granite in and repaint it and new flooring, update maybe a bathroom and I'm good to go. And and I've got you know almost a new house for, for a little bit less money. Eh, wrong. That is not true. That's not true by a long shot. And the reason that's not true is that you have to look at deferred maintenance. When you buy an older home, you have to set aside money or you have to start planning to set aside money to fix things on it. If you buy a house that's 15 years old, you only have half the roof life left. The house is 15 years old. It's probably going to need paint within the next couple years. Also, if it's 15 years old, maybe in the next five to 10 years, you're going to need to put new siding on it potentially. Or you might have to replace the water heater and so on and so forth. So what you need to do is look at the age of all those things and figure out the, the average length of those things and look at look into that and start budgeting money every month. And I recommend putting a little account aside and budgeting some money and you just start pulling money aside and putting it into a deferred maintenance account. And a lot of people make this mistake. They look at a used house for a new new house and they don't factor in that deferred maintenance. And all of a sudden, a year in or two years in, the water heater craps out. And all of a sudden, you got a, you know, sidings falling apart. And uh, a lot of times, people sell their home for a reason. Uh, it's not just because they need a bigger home or they, they're getting relocated. It's like, yep, there's a lot of maintenance coming up on this house. I want to get rid of this thing so I don't have to sink a bunch of money into it. So you need to be careful of that. And you've got to start factoring that in. And a lot of times, a new house might be thirty or forty thousand dollars more expensive than an existing home, but you really don't have to touch it for a long time. A new home, you don't have to to really do anything for easily the first five years. Maybe after five years, you might have to paint. Maybe not. Uh, maybe it's ten years, but usually around the ten year mark, you start getting more maintenance. The fifteen year mark, definitely a lot more, and the twenty year mark, 
uh, start grabbing your wallet because you've got a lot to, 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 to do to update that home. And deferred maintenance can be a huge thing. It can easily make you house poor if you're not planning for it. Replacing a roof can be $15,000, um, sometimes more. So that can be very expensive. It's, it's not a cheap prospect. And so it's something that you need to plan and budget for in the future. So maybe look at some of those costs and then just divide it out by the length of time. And that'll tell you how much money you need to put aside to be able to afford to pay for that. All right. And the last thing you need to consider to make sure you're not house poor is homeowners association fees. These things are a silent killer on your budget. You know, sometimes people move into these subdivisions and they're like, oh, this, this subdivision is great. They have a, a swimming pool and it has all the, a tennis court. It's got all these fun things. And then you look at the homeowners association fees. Oh, and it's got a beautiful fountain when you come in and it's so, so beautiful when you come in. Awesome. These association fees start to creep up. And a lot of these are monthly fees. I've seen subdivisions in my area have six, $700 a month homeowners association fees. And you still have to cut your own grass and you still have to plow your own driveway. This is just to pay for all the stuff in the subdivision. Pay for the pool and the insurance on the pool and all these things that you need to have. That is something that never goes away. And you're not even really in full control of it because your neighbors all get to vote on this as well. So if they're like, yeah, you know, we want to open the pool up a month earlier, uh, but it's going to up our dues by, you know, another $50 a month. Is that something you really want to do? And if you don't go and vote on it, you lose your right to deal with that. If you're buying a condo, you're going to have, you know, additional HOA fees as well because you're going to have money set aside to potentially plow the driveway, to cut the grass. Um, you might have money set aside for maintenance as well. So you might have money set aside to, to paint your unit, to re-roof your unit, you know, fix a sidewalk, whatever it is that needs to be done, replace some bushes. And these can add up very quickly and can definitely definitely be a budget killer. Even smaller subdivisions, sometimes they just have a, a small, maybe it's a $100 a year thing. Well, it all adds up, you know, $100 a year, you know, it's, you know, nine, ten dollars a month. That's a couple cups of coffee. You know, it's just every little bit makes a difference and it adds up. So you gotta make sure that you create a budget, you factor these things in and make sure that you can afford everything comfortably and you have money left over for the other things in life that you want to do so that you don't become house poor. Well hopefully this was super informative for you guys. And of course if you haven't already make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any content. Uh, once again, I am David Bellman, president of Bellman Homes, coming to you live from the Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin studio. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Home Building Hero, and we'll talk to you very soon.